always good to be up here at the east side with you all. So thanks for letting me come and share God's word with you. Let me start off with a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful for this morning that we can gather here. And uh, Lord, even as snow falls outside, it's a, it's a reminder to us of how uh, gently your love and your grace and your mercy falls on us and on our lives. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you just for the gift that it is. And and how it just reveals your heart for us, it reveals the relationship that you desire to have with us. And God, one of the greatest tools that you've given us to fuel that relationship is the gift of prayer. And as we just uh, tackle this topic this morning, I, I pray, Lord, that yours will be the first voice, the only voice that we hear. It's the voice of a father who is just calling our hearts and drawing us closer to you. And so, Lord, would you speak now in Jesus' name? Amen. So I don't know about you, but there are some things in life that um, I'm fairly decent at. There are some things that, like with a little bit of help and instruction in Google, um, I can figure out. And then there are some things that I really have no business even attempting. Uh, one of those things is anything mechanical. I am not mechanically inclined whatsoever. Uh, and, and I was reminded of this uh, a couple of months ago. Um, I, and I had to replace the stereo in my, in my car. And so I thought, oh, that's easy. I've got YouTube. Um, I can figure this out. And so I went and bought a new stereo. And then, you know, if you buy an aftermarket stereo, you have to get like all of these adapters so that it actually fits into your car. And so I got one adapter and then the guy's like, well, do you still, do you have steering wheel controls? Do you still want to use those? Yeah, I've got those. Okay, here's another adapter. And so now my confidence level is going from here to, uh, I'm not really sure if I'm going to be able to do this. And so I get home, get all my tools out, and uh, the first thing I do is I pop off my dashboard in my car, and nothing broke. And like at that point, I just wanted to take a victory lap around my house. Like that was a win right there. I get my stereo pulled out, and I'm like, okay, see what I'm working with here internally? Pull out the new stereo, get all of the adapters laid out on the kitchen table, and I look at what is like 200 wires staring me back in the face, and I go, nope can't do this, packed it all back up and returned it the next day. <laughs> I found a website though that uh, is, is a saving grace for non-mechanically inclined people like me that actually you purchase the stereo and they do all of the connections of the adapters for you. And so I was able to, to, uh, to do that. You know, we probably all have one of those things that you know, we don't feel a whole lot of confident doing, even if we have like some resources that are around us, even if we have Google to help us. And, and, and oftentimes, we kind of do the same thing that I did with the stereo. If we don't feel really confident about it, we, we just kind of give up. We're like, ah, I'm not, not even going to give it a try. Or if we do, we, we don't really do it with a whole lot of sureness in ourselves. You know, kind of handshaking, not a lot of confidence. I think for many of us, like, this is how we approach prayer. We approach prayer in this, in this way. Many of us approach prayer thinking, there's no way that I can do that. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know, am I supposed to like take some kind of posture or position? And, and so we, we just 
we don't do it. Even though God has given us all the resources that we need to have a powerful and effective and beautiful prayer life. Not only has he given us all the resources, but, but God in his love and mercy and grace has given us every ability to access him that we need through prayer. But for a lot of us, when we approach prayer, we just don't really have a lot of confidence. And so we, we either one, don't do it, or two, uh, we, we maybe settle for a prayer life that is not all that it could be. So much that we can learn about prayer. I've been blessed with some amazing people in my life, continue to be, who teach me the value of prayer. One of them uh, is a friend of mine named Nathan. I was still pretty wet out of the baptismal waters sitting in my dorm room in college. And Nathan came to my dorm, knocked on the door and said, hey, let's go for a prayer walk. And I'm not even kidding. I thought, what? how can you pray and walk at the same time? Like this was such a new concept to me because up until that point, the only thing that I'd ever known about prayer was, was what? You, you bow your head, you close your eyes, you fold your hands. And so in that moment, I'm like, you can actually pray and walk? My mind was like, it was blown. This opened up a whole new reality for me about what prayer could, could be. A few years ago, a friend of mine who is a missionary in Mozambique, Africa, invited me to come over for a, a week and lead um, his fellow missionaries in a time of retreat and kind of spiritual renewal and, and refreshment. And so, uh, so I got over there. That first night, there were about 18 of us. We were sitting around a campfire. We just got done sharing a meal together. We were telling stories and laughing. And um, I was scheduled to do the first of the, the little devotion times during that, but we were all exhausted, you know, long day of travel. And so I just read a little scripture, gave a couple of thoughts just to set up the rest of the week. And then and I said, hey, let's just close off with a little time of prayer. Anybody who wants to pray, we can do that. And then we can go off to bed because I know that we're all pretty exhausted. And I'm telling you what happened next is something unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. For the next two three hours, these missionaries just poured their heart out to God. They pleaded with God on behalf of a country that they had given everything up to serve. They, they prayed for people to come and know and love and follow Jesus. They prayed for salvation. They, they prayed for more workers to come and join them on the field because, because the, the harvest was ripe, but the workers were few. And they just, they prayed as if God were waiting on every word to come out of their mouth in order to move into action. At the end of that time of prayer, I, I, I was speechless. And so I think the only thing that I said was, God, thanks for hearing our prayers in Jesus' name, amen. Like I had nothing to say in that moment. I was, I was just in awe. And I remember thinking, I know how to pray, but I don't know how to pray the way that they know how to pray. I think many of us, we get into that place when it comes to prayer you know, we, we feel like we know maybe how to do it, but we just don't have a whole lot of confidence. Or we feel like, man, we're missing out on something. Maybe it could be more than what we're currently experiencing. If you're in that place, and I have good news for you today, not only are you in church with probably a bunch of people that feel the same way, but the first followers of Jesus felt that same way too. If you have a Bible, I bet you to turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. If you have a Bible app that you like to use, go ahead and pull that out, open it up. 
Love getting into the word together. We're in the fourth week of our series, Walk Like Jesus, and today we're turning our attention to um, the, the prayer life that Jesus modeled for us and then how we can really begin to adopt this important uh, spiritual discipline in, in our own lives as we learn how to walk like Jesus. Uh, because what we find throughout the Gospels, what we find throughout the, the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry is that prayer was an essential part of it. Prayer was an essential part of Jesus' life and ministry. We, we see it all over the place. The gospel records 33 different times that Jesus prayed. And Jesus prayed at every major event in his life. He prayed at the beginning of his ministry. He prayed all the way through it. He prayed all the way up to the end. We read through the gospels several times where Jesus slipped away to be in a place of solitude and the disciples would, would wake up in the morning and they'd be like, where's Jesus? We lost him. And they'd go and they'd look for him and they would find him spending time in prayer. Jesus prayed with his disciples. He prayed for his disciples. In John chapter 17, we even read that Jesus prayed for us, the church today. And so we see that all throughout, prayer was an essential part of the life and ministry of Jesus. It was how he maintained and fueled his relationship with the Father. It's how he made sure that he stayed on course and, and moving in the right direction. And somewhere along the way, Somewhere along the way, Jesus' disciples observed him praying and they realized, Jesus, we don't pray the same way you pray. And so in Luke chapter 11, verse one, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. I think that this is absolutely incredible. Of all the things that they observed Jesus do throughout his life and his ministry. They saw him heal people. They saw him perform miracles. They saw him confront the religious leaders. They saw him make people who are marginalized and outcast by, by the religious leaders and by society. They saw Jesus make those people feel welcome and special and loved. They saw Jesus do all of these incredible things and yet when it comes to his prayer life, that was the thing that they pointed to. And they said, Jesus, teach us how to do that. Because it's so different than anything we've ever seen or anything we've ever experienced. And so that's what Jesus does. He teaches them and he teaches us how to pray. And he seems like a pretty good person to listen to on the topic. And the prayer that he goes on to give them in Luke chapter 11, uh, we, we find that also in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Um, and, and so, because that's the one that maybe we're all just a little bit more familiar with, if you've been in the Word for, for any time, uh, then we're going to start there. If you're new this morning, maybe you're just kind of checking out faith, and uh, you're, you're not really sure if you believe anything that's in here, um, this is going to give you an idea of what prayer is and why as believers uh, we, we do it. And so I want to look at this, this passage that may be familiar to you, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you grew up 
hide in the King Jimmy version in your heart, then you know there's a little bit more. Maybe you have a, a note in your Bible like mine that says some later manuscripts include for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we could spend an entire series unpacking the depth and the beauty of these five verses, but for our purposes today, I want us to highlight just a few key elements in what's come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. But, but before we get into that, I think it's important for us to remember that this isn't the only way to pray. This isn't the only way to, to pray. Like, these aren't the only words that we can use when we pray. Jesus gives this to us as a model, as an outline for how to, to pray. And I'm convinced that, that as we use this prayer as an outline for our own prayer, it's going to fuel our relationship with the Father. And the first thing that he says is that when you pray, start off with this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, I want you to pause and think about who you're talking to. Pause and think about who you are in this relationship and in this conversation with. I want you to know that God is not some distant, far off God, but that he is as close and personal and near as a father who loves you. So start off our father in heaven. Focus on how intimate he is and yet also how big and powerful he is, that he is the creator and sustainer of all things, including you. I'm convinced that the longer we focus on our heavenly father, the smaller our earthly problems become. The longer we reflect on God's awesomeness, the smaller that our problems and our wants and desires become. I love how the old hymn puts it, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things on earth will what? grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I think that's what happens when we start prayer by focusing on our heavenly father who loves and, and cares for us. The concerns and the, the things of earth grow strangely dim. But I'm also convinced that, that the opposite is true too. That, that the faster we rush through our father who is in heaven, then, then the, 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 the smaller he is and the bigger our problems become. And so Jesus says, live there just for a moment. Reflect on how good and how big God is, that he loves and he cares for you. In his book, Working the Angles, Eugene Peterson puts it like this. He says, prayer means that we deal first with God and then with the world. Or that we experience the world first, not as a problem to be solved, but a reality in which God is, is already acting. God, our heavenly, holy father, is living and active, not just in this world, but also in your life. And so Jesus tells us to first pause before we go anywhere else, to pause and reflect on a God who loves and cares for you, a God whom you can trust. And that leads to the second part of prayer. Jesus tells us to pray in verse 10, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the thing. You know what God's greatest desire is for you? God's greatest desire for you in your life is not that you have everything that you want. 
God's greatest desire for you is not that you are happy or healthy or wealthy. There's a version of the gospel that preaches that. It's a false gospel. It is a lie. God's greatest desire for your life has nothing to do with your happiness. It has everything to do with your holiness. That's what God desires from you more than anything else. That's what God desires for you more than anything else. God's desire for your life is that you come to a place of full surrender and complete reliance on him, a place where you lay down your kingdom and your will and you take up his kingdom and his will so that it can be done on earth as it is in heaven. So often many of my prayers are about God fixing my problems or addressing my wants or my needs. But Jesus tells us that the purpose of prayer is to surrender your kingdom and your will to the kingdom and the will of God. That's what prayer is about. That's what God desires for you, to lead you to a place of full surrender and complete reliance on him. And so prayer isn't about us getting what we want. It's about God getting what he wants. It's his will to be done on earth through his people. And once we've got these priorities straight, which may take us a long time to get there, Jesus turns the attention to us, but not in a way that we might imagine. He says in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Daily bread, nothing more, nothing less. Again, prayer is about trusting God to give us what we need now for today, trusting that God will take care of today's problems, today's tears, today's hurts and loneliness and pain, today's joys and heartaches. Like we can address tomorrows when they get here, but prayer is about learning to trust God for today and not let the worries of tomorrow consume us. Verse 11, 12, give us, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I think this is like saying, Lord, I'm gonna let my vertical relationship with you influence my horizontal relationship with, with others, even if it means forgiving them the way that I have been forgiven. I'm gonna take this forgiveness that I have received from you through Christ and I'm going to extend that to others. Again, it's about surrendering our wills. It's about trusting God. And lead us not into temptation. I have no problem finding that on my own. <laughs> lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, I do not want to do evil. I do not want to sin against God. Prayers about saying, God, in light of who you are, I sincerely want to obey you. I sincerely want my life to reflect the holiness that is in me through the Holy Spirit. And that means even if I have to repent, even if I have to turn from the sin that I'm living in, even if I have to repent from the brokenness in this world that I'm contributing to or the brokenness in someone else's life that I'm adding to, Lord, I turn and I repent from those things. Jesus gets at this over and over and over. Your kingdom, your will, teach me to trust you. Teach me to treat others the way that you have treated them and the way that you have treated me. Teach me to obey because Lord, I cannot do this on my own. You see the theme here? 
over and over and over. Prayer is not about what I want. It's about what God, what God wants, what God wants in this world and in me. It's about what he wants to do in me and through me. It's about breaking down the walls of my kingdom so that his kingdom can reign because he alone is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the type of prayer that Jesus modeled for us. And so today we don't want to just simply talk about prayer. We want to practice it. So right now, I want to invite Maggie Mobley to the stage to lead us through a time of prayer using the Lord's Prayer to guide us. Maggie. Good morning. As we begin this time of prayer this morning, I want to invite you to focus on one thing only, God. Don't worry about this afternoon or the snow. Uh, don't worry about your neighbor right now. As Sean said earlier, prayer is about God and our relationship with him. So we're going to take this time to focus on God. What we're going to do might take you out of your comfort zone a bit, and that's okay. I challenge you to step out of that zone. I'm going to do this with you. We're going to practice prayer today um, by reading the Lord's Prayer line by line. We're going to use scripture for our prayer. The goal is not merely to read the passage and understand it with our minds, but to reflect on and pray through the passage until you experience God speaking through it. After each line of scripture, we'll have a moment to pray on our own. Prayer is powerful. Richard Foster reminds us that in prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him. Let's take this opportunity together to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. As we enter into prayer, let's pause and reflect on the one we're talking to. He is our Father, the King of kings, the creator of the universe. And he loves you as much as he loved Moses and David and Mary. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. So we'll take a moment and close our eyes and reflect on who we are praying to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will to the will of God. During this moment, I'm going to ask you to do something that, again, may be a bit uncomfortable for some of you. Maybe during this time, you want to hold your palms down out in front of you. Is there anything you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus? Are you carrying a burden that you need to let go of? Or maybe you want to pray with your palms up. Is there anything God is calling you to do to bring his kingdom closer to earth? What is his will for you? And are you ready to do what he is asking you to do? Pray that you would know God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but this day. 
What do you need to trust God with today? What worry do you need to bring before him? Or what do you want to thank him for today? Take a moment and focus on this day with God. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What do you need to repent? What do you need to turn away from? What sin do you need to confess to the Lord this morning? As we go into our time of communion, I will get ready to pray for us as a group here as we go into this special time. We have been forgiven by the grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus. We are separated from God by sin, but God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we would no longer be separated from him. And thankfully, we do not have to earn that love. God's love is not based on us and our actions. It is simply placed on us. As we remember this gift of grace and forgiveness and love through communion, make sure to lay down any sins, repent anything you need to um, with God at this time. I'll pray for us. Father God, during this time of communion, I just pray that you would help us focus on the love that you have for us, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us, God. His blood was shed for us. His body was broken for us. We're thankful for your grace, for your forgiveness, and for your love, and for your promise, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Forgive our debtors. This is a tricky one. But who do you need to extend forgiveness to? Forgiving others will set you free. We'll take a moment and pray that God would soften your heart to forgive those that you may need to forgive or lift those up that have hurt you. We're called to pray for our enemies. Let's take a moment and ask God to be with us as we forgive our debtors. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. What do you want to thank God for today? We have so much to be thankful for. The fact that we are in a warm, safe church building and able to worship freely, that alone is an amazing thing to be thankful for. We'll take this last moment and go to God in celebration and in adoration we have an amazing God who loves us more than we will ever know. So take a moment and go to him in praise and thanks and celebration. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.